0: Good morning, everyone. Um, Hello. So today I'm going to be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 14, um, verses 1 to 25. So strap yourselves in. It's quite a read. If you want to close your eyes or look elsewhere, feel free. (laughs) Intelligibility in worship. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you unless I bring some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as the pipe or harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I am a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker is a foreigner to me. So it is with you. Since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. For this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, when you are praising God in the spirit, How can someone else who is now put in the position of an inquirer say, Amen to your thanksgiving, since they do not know what they are saying? You are giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be like infants, but in your thinking, be like adults. In the law it is written, With other tongues and through the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people, but even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Tongues, then, are a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is not for unbelievers, but for believers. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you're out of your mind? But if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. So they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. Uh, This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning, everyone. How are you? Very good. Okay, I think we're sorted. Uh, Father, thank you for this morning and the opportunity to speak from your word. I pray you would open uh, my heart and my mind and our hearts and our minds as we receive what you would have to say to us this morning. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you. In Jesus' name. I wonder um, when you read this passage, what kind of scenario comes to mind for you? Uh, Depending on your experience of worship in in other churches and uh, church communities, faith families, you may have seen something uh, where this kind of advice could be directly or literally applied, or you may wonder, what on earth is Paul going on about in this passage, depending on your, your background, your experience of, uh, of church. Now, depending on your experience or lack thereof of this, this spiritual gift, called usually called speaking in tongues in action, um, you may be thinking uh, one of a few things uh, when you read this, or when I share a story like this. I was talking with a, a friend uh, the other day who uh, was talking about when he became a Christian right out of high school, and in going to, uh, into his first year uni, he thought he so should probably find a, a prayer meeting, a Christian group of friends. And he looked in the O-Week journal and found some yeah, prayer meeting at this time. Went along. They were very friendly and welcoming. It was a, a Pentecostal group of Christians. They, yeah, come join us. It'll be great. Great to meet you. Um, and uh, then one of them said, okay, let's pray. And they all held hands, held hands and began shouting in tongues. Um, now, when I say that, depending, again, on your experience of, of seeing this spiritual gift in action, you may be thinking one of a few things when I share that story. Maybe you're thinking, that sounds great. I love those kinds of prayer meetings. Maybe you, you're thinking, yep, I know that scenario, not great for a new Christian. Or you might be thinking, what does that even mean, Luke? I have no concept of shouting in tongues. What, what, what does that look like? Now, I've been part of the Billabong for almost 11 years, and I recognize that across the people who form this church family, um, there are vastly different experiences across the board uh, of this particular manifestation of the Spirit, as Paul calls it, um, as well as others like prophecy and words of knowledge and other concepts like baptism in the Spirit and being slain in the Spirit and all these, all these things. Um, From what I can remember, I may be wrong, but from what I can remember, I've never heard someone speaking in tongues out loud at a gathering of the billabong. Um, Maybe under their breath at some point, um, but I do know that for some, myself included, it's a gift that you and I use regularly. Um, in private, in our private prayer time. Now, if you're wondering um, what my friend did when that group began shouting in tongues, he literally ran away. And to this day, he's a Baptist. <laughs> <laughs> a Baptist open to the gifts of the Spirit, but nevertheless a Baptist. Because um, our experience of uh, in this church is so different to... The experience and, and what was happening in the church in Corinth in, in that time that Paul is writing to. One might wonder um, what possible application does this passage actually have for us? Like, how, how, do, we, how do we apply this? Because it's a totally different scenario. Um, considering that Paul's talking about um, uh, many, many people in the worship gathering speaking in languages cognitively unknown to them. This is what it, this, this gift is. They're speaking, praying in, a, in, in words they don't understand as the Spirit of God enables them. They're, lots of them are doing it all on top of one another. Um, so what if that's the scenario there, what possible application does this have for us? Well, we, don't, we just don't have that here. I actually think there are profound applications um, because in short, Paul is saying um, what we should be aiming for as we pursue the way of love talked about last week um, and how at least one way we might or, we, we ought to go about this way of love in partnership with the Holy Spirit that's what he's getting at in this passage and so I want to talk a bit about that today first of all what is it that we're to be aiming for I want to talk about two ways to live out the way um, now first of all what, do, what did we look at last week for all 15 of you who were here um, <laughs> Uh, right? Love. Chapter 13, I'm afraid many of you did miss the, the most important chapter in all of <laughs> Corinthians. However, you are getting ready for a wedding where often this chapter is read. Uh, it's about, uh, uh, it's in the, the chapter is about love, but it's not an abstract chapter about love. It's in the context of chapters 12 to 14 talking about gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, and Paul's talking about this being the way that the love being the way to live out and, and practice these gifts. And it's in this chapter that we just read, 14, that Paul gets far more practical. What does this look like? The way of love in the life of the church. What can it look like? What should it look like? This way um, of, of love is, is a, a laying down of our lives for one another. talked about this last week because this is what love is, right? So, this is all over the New Testament. Jesus, quote, gave his life for us while we were still sinners. Quote, greater love has no one than this, that one should lay his life down for his friends. Quote, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid his life down for us, and we ought to lay our lives down for our brothers and sisters. And so love has been defined. It's not an abstract uh, idea that we're trying to work out what it actually means. It's been defined, and it's been defined in the person of Jesus, right? So the person of Jesus defined love in his laying his life down for us. And what Paul is saying in today's passage, uh, one of the things he's saying, I believe, and and all through Corinthians, is that this is expressed in two distinct ways, or rather in two distinct uh, applications towards people. Two ways to live out the way. One is edifying or building up, is the language he uses, the church. That's brothers and sisters in Christ. And the other is the leading of unbelievers towards repentance and faith. These two goals have been emphasized all throughout the letter. Um, but here it's as, as clear as anywhere, uh, as anywhere. So in the 25 verses we read today, verses 1 to 19, focus on going about things so that other Believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, in the family of God, are built up or or edified. In in chapter 12, he talks about for the common good, right? Um, And and, uh, there's this metaphor of the body caring, you know, the parts of the body caring for one another and hurting with one another and all that in in chapter 12. Um, So this is the first. And then the, the other part is verses 20 to 25, which focus on going about things in a way that bring those who aren't in the family of God, unbelievers, to a point where they say, I'm a sinner, I need grace, I see God here, and I need Him, and I want a relationship with Him. Um, This highlights something very, very important to Paul, that there is a difference, and hear me correctly here, hear me right here, there is a difference between believers and unbelievers, and it shapes our interactions. Now, the difference is not, make sure you hear me right, they deserve love, and they don't. Like that's that's not the distinction. The difference is not, um, you know, they're good and they're they're bad between believers and unbelievers. The difference is um, that as a believer, one has had their eyes opened to and received undeserved mercy and grace, and and an unbeliever hasn't either hasn't heard of this yet or hasn't accepted it yet. Now, if um, in the room this morning or watching online, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're not a believer, if you're not a child of God, a friend of Jesus, with all my heart, and I believe the heart of this community, is is one thing for you. Not that you become like me, or that you become like Amy, or Tim, or Rihanna or Sarah, because there's every chance that you're as, as good or better of a moral person than we are. That's not what we want. What we want and we desire, and what I believe Jesus desires, um, is that if you're not a believer, that you see Jesus for who he really is um, and know him personally because that is what matters. Life is a blip. Eternity is forever. And your eternity isn't determined by a, relief system, a belief system or a religion. It's determined by a real relationship with Jesus. Um, and that's nothing more than a choice, not one that is earned or, or, or rewarded for good, a good life, but freely offered, one that you enter into willingly, however. And so as... Um, you know, For us as Christians, our role to you, if you're not a Christian, is to do whatever it takes to help you recognize who Jesus is and enter into a relationship with him, coming to repentance and faith. On the other hand, uh, if you're a brother or sister in Christ, you've received grace, you're forgiven. Um, and, and to love one another as believers is to, as Paul says, build up one another, strengthen, to edify in this life of trusting in Jesus. We saw, for example, this distinction in 1 Corinthians 5, where Paul said, some of you might remember this, Paul said, judge one another. Oh, hang on a second, we're not supposed to judge one another? Yeah, if in the church we are. Why? Because, in short, if it means protecting a brother or sister from falling away because they're deceived in thinking their sin is okay, we're to call out the sin, to protect them, to help them see what they need to see. We need to be right before God. On the other hand, do not judge those who are not believers, who are outside the church, lest they do not experience the grace and the mercy of Jesus through us. Right, So there's, a, there's a two approaches in depending on where the person's at with God. And this is foundational for Paul. Love unbelievers into relationship with Jesus. Love believers in such a way that they're built up in that faith and, and the character of Jesus and growing to become more like him. And all through the letter. He's been encouraging these two ways to live the way in in how they judge, as I've mentioned, in how they approach food sacrifice to idols, in how they approach sexuality, in how they handle being rich and poor. And all of this, the way of love lived out in these two directions. All of it, though, is this way of laying your life and your preferences and your comfort and your needs and your wants down for the sake of disciples of Jesus and those who don't know him. You might put it this way, it's to be disciples of Jesus in community with one another, and it's to, hopefully, make disciples of Jesus, to bring others in through loving them into the kingdom. So so that's, that's I think, the first thing that this passage highlights. But let me ask you a question this morning. What if there was something really practical that we could do? do that hits both of these ways of living the way at the same time? It contributes to the building up of one another. It contributes to others coming into the kingdom. What if there was something, we, practically, something we could do that hits both of these? Um, oh, yes, Luke, you might say, it's 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 just love people the same, show kindness, be Jesus to them, you know, through the Spirit, all that stuff. I, I understand that. But it seems to me, maybe... maybe uh, you see things differently, but it seems to me that most of us try hard to do this. Like to, to live lovingly. No one's coming to church on a Sunday morning or stepping into the house after a long day at work or going to work in the morning thinking, right, how can I be unloving today? No one is doing that, right? Unless there's something really quite wrong. And and I, I certainly would hope no one in this room has that attitude, quite the opposite. We want, we all want to love each other really well. We all want to love those who don't know Jesus really well. Um, and yet, if we're honest with ourselves, we recognize we need a little help, maybe a lot of help. Not just advice or a TED Talk or a great three-point sermon. We, need, we actually need supernatural help. Um, something that would help us to love unbelievers and believers in a way beyond our natural capabilities. And this is actually what Paul is highlighting in this passage, where he says from verse 1, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. So I want to talk for a little bit about prophecy, this gift of love. Some um, would want to argue that in these chapters, Paul is um, discouraging the charismata, as a word used for, the, the, I guess, the more supernatural gifts, prophecy, words, of knowledge, tongues, miracles, healing, etc. Um, some would argue that he's discouraging this in favor of love right? It's one or the other. I tried to debunk that last week. Or maybe that he's just saying, look, you can use these things, if these gifts, if you really want, but just make sure it's with love as the motivation. Just use them if you really need to. But really, the main thing is just go about love. Not so. Not so at all. The commands in verse 1 to follow the way of love and eagerly desire strong language, eagerly desire gifts, especially prophecy. These two commands go hand in hand, the way of love and des- eagerly desire uh, prophecy. Let me illustrate why that is. Prophecy, for starters, isn't um, this mysterious uh, Old Testament, thus saith the Lord, and then I prophesy, kind of you know, voodoo-ish type thing that is, is all weird and, and strange. It's it's simply a disciple, a disciple of Jesus, believer, hearing the voice of God for another. Now, that sounds too, too simple. And I mean, I know I'm skipping over and try, trying to debunk some, some mindsets about this very, very quickly, although I've talked about this before. Um, it's, it's not telling the future. Uh, it's, it's not... For special gifted people, it's 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 a believer hearing the voice of the Father for another, usually encouragement, often through Scripture, always aligned with Scripture, um, right? And so, and this is a distinct and powerful expression of God's love for that person who I'm sharing something with. So, if I can have a volunteer um, for a few minutes. Wayne, thank you. If you wanna, um, it's always the Harrys who volunteer. Excellent, very good. Um, So, Wayne, let's say the bucket is Wayne, right? And Wayne, let's just say Wayne. (laughs) um, Imagine that. Imagine that Wayne is just going through something a bit tough. Maybe he's feeling a little discouraged, uh, or wrestling with something in his faith, or just needs some encouragement. And I want Wayne to experience uh, to just be loved and cared for right that's that's my heart and and so um, through my words I'm trying to care for or love Wayne in whatever he's going through right this is imagine this is me and the words I say to encourage and guide and build him up um, are just a small expression of love symbolized by the water right in my words of care based on all of my pastoral experience exactly. <laughs> Thank you for helping the metaphor here. Um, If I try really hard and draw on all my wisdom and experience and knowledge and care and empathy, um, then maybe it's a little better, but it's still not achieved very much. On the other hand, I might even misread what Wayne needs and basically have the opposite effect and make him feel quite unloved, right? and and this is this is the problem when it's just me trying to care for love love Wayne with my words. On the other hand, if I listen to God, who knows everything about Wayne, absolutely everything. I know a little bit about you, Wayne, but I don't really know what you know, all the things that make you tick and your background and all that kind of thing. But God knows everything, infinitely more than I could possibly know or understand. And and, and also I, I I care for you, but I don't really like You know, uh, I'm not, I'm not, (laughs) yeah, 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 I really love you, but not as much as my wife and my kids, of course, whereas God has nothing but love and care and compassion for Wayne. And so if I hear God say even just a few words to share with Wayne, as opposed to a small sponge being, you know, drip, 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 a far greater love is being poured out, right, into Wayne's life. into Wayne's life through God's words, if it's coming from God. Thank you, Wayne. This is why prophecy is so powerful and so important if we're truly to pursue the way of love, because it's just a whole another level. Uh, it's forgive me for saying this. It's like it's love on steroids. Right, it's a whole, it's a whole nother level. It's, um, I would say it's it's cheating. <laughs> right, it's because I mean, what I have to give, even if I learn and train and how to care and love and I get to know Wayne and everything, I, there's still only this much that I can know in terms of how I would love and care for for Wayne or somebody else. Well, but God knows it all. If He could say a few words, it's 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 like cheating in a good way in terms of how I might. Um, love and care for another. Um, and even though it's, I think it's kind of like cheating, we've actually been encouraged to desire this, to pursue this, to, what's, what's the word, eagerly desire this, to use this gift. And so why would we not use the gift of prophecy to completely supercharge our, our love of one another And our love of um, those outside the church who don't know Jesus, that they might come into his kingdom. Well, I think there are a few reasons why not. Because like anything, where it's the spirit of God working and not our natural abilities and talents, requires risk. Um, It requires discomfort. Uh, It requires stepping out of our comfort zone. It can be misused. It can be mishandled. But friends, whatever hesitations we might have about becoming more open to the prophetic, um, you know whether those hesitations are it's risky, it could go bad. What if I miss here? What if people start becoming unhinged Pentecostals? You know, whatever the whatever the hesitation might be, do these? I just want to ask you, if, if if this is a gift of love, do these not sound like the lies of the enemy to keep us away from one of the greatest gifts and expressions of love available to us. I think it's all over, it's the enemy trying to go, no, well, let's, let's just confuse this whole thing as much as we can. So it's either done badly or not done at all. And so I want to encourage and urge us again to pursue this gift, this ministry, this expression of God's love, empowered by not my ability and talents, but by the Holy Spirit. Just a couple of thoughts to finish up on, on wisely pursuing prophecy. Um, some things I've learned along the way which may be helpful, but this is not an extensive list, list by any means. Um, I can point you to sermons I preached before on this earlier in the year, other resources, um, if, if you like. But just a few points. Firstly, commit to learn. Um, if someone, for example, gives you a guitar for Christmas, you don't become an expert guitarist because you receive the gift. If someone gives you a gaming console, you don't become the best gamer at a particular game because you received it as a gift, right? Some gifts that we receive require that you learn the art of using them. So it is with prophecy and really all of the spiritual gifts. So, so how, this is the question to ask yourself, how can you learn? How can you try? How can you practice? We, we have a course that we will happily run whenever there is interest. Um, let me know, Annalise, um, uh and uh, or email us, whatever. We'll happily run this course, which is solid teaching. It's got opportunity to learn and practice on this gift of prophecy. How can you commit to learn and practice in this area? Ask for God's heart for others. If you're asking for a word from God, um, again, prophecy is just, God, what do you want to say to encourage, to build up um, another in front of me or a group of people? And if you're asking for a word from God for another, for a purpose other than them experience the love and, experiencing the love and compassion and care of God, if it's so that you, you'll feel better or, or, or you'll criticize them or whatever, you'll either receive nothing or you'll make something up, which can be at, worst, at best useless, at worst dangerous. Um, on the other hand, if you want what God wants for another Why would he not give it to you? So we need to ask for God's heart for others first and foremost. Um, Thirdly, be willing to fail. When it comes to being a disciple of Jesus, I think the Bible makes one thing very clear. Failure is not an option. It's a necessity. (laughs) Right? Right? If you're not, I mean, look at the disciples, like they had to learn by failing along the way, all of them. If you're not willing to fail, like mishear, or get it wrong. If you're not willing to risk providing an awkward word of encouragement to somebody else that you thought was God, but it was just sort of sort of encouraging, then you might actually, if you're not willing to, to risk this, well, it wasn't actually God I heard, then you might actually fail to be used by the Holy Spirit in a real way, to to significantly impact someone's life, my experience over and over again has been when I've been 50, 60, 70% sure. As long as I know I wasn't going to do any harm in sharing that thing, it was God after all. But I was never sure. I had to be willing to fail. Um, and finally, one final encouragement would be to to let God be God. To let God be God. Particularly when it comes to application. So I've talked before on this idea of revelation, interpretation, and application um, in that order. Um, It's not our job, if you feel you have something to share with another another person, believer, unbeliever, it's not our job to deliver a prophetic word and then say how we think the message should be applied. For example, if I feel like I'm, you know, if I'm praying for Tim uh, and, I, and I feel like God says the words, keep going. Um, if I go, hey, I feel like God's saying to you the words, Tim, keep going, and I know you've been trying to lose weight, so maybe if you join a gym and keep going, it'll try, it, it might pay off, right? That's not my job. That's not my job. Sorry, Tim. Should, I should have just made it generic. You know, if we genuinely sense the Lord saying something for another person, deliver it with humility, like, I think this is God. Please weigh it up yourself. I'm not sure what it relates to, but I feel he's simply saying keep going. We have no idea what that might mean for a person because we cannot see what God sees. So let God be God. We are just the delivery boy or the delivery girl. I want to encourage us as we enter time of worship, if the music team can come up uh, now, to, um, we're just going to spend 10 minutes or so uh, singing, worshipping God and a couple of uh, songs we often sing. Um, but in that time, if uh, I want you to be open. I want us to be open to the Holy Spirit this morning um, in, in this area in particular. Um, to say, Holy Spirit, is there anything that you would want to say through me to either an individual um, or to the Billabong community? If it is for an individual and you feel... It's wise to go and share that with them afterwards. Please do. If you feel it's for an individual and you're not sure and you want to weigh it up, please find somebody you trust to go, hey, does this sound does this sound right before you share it? If it's for the Billabong community, um, maybe it's just a, a verse of Scripture. And you think, oh, well, it's just a verse of Scripture. No, it may not be just a verse of Scripture. Maybe it's just a word. Uh, if God speaks to you in pictures, like... Uh, Maybe there's a picture. You don't, you don't have to worry too much about what does that mean? What is this, How does this apply? Be faithful to share it. And this morning, do that by either um, uh, just Rachel. Well, you've seen Rachel up the front. She's going to be around the back, and I'll be around the front. Just pop up to one of us and say, I just feel like this might be an encouragement to our community this morning. Um, I want to pray that we would be open to the work of the Spirit, this manifestation of the Spirit, um, but also any other gifts. These often work together. Sometimes God says, I, I'm, I'm saying that we, you need to pray for healing this morning. It's like the prophetic being used to, to sort of tap into another gift. Um, maybe God wants to give some people the gift of tongues this morning. I'm not sure. Um, but in particular, I'd like us just to be open this morning. God, what are you saying? And, and just open your mind and your heart to what he might want to share through you to others this morning. Father, let's stand. Father, I, um, I thank you uh, that you are present with your people because you've, as Sarah reminded us before, poured out your Spirit on all flesh. And so we, we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to come into this space this morning. Come, Holy Spirit, and speak to us. Uh, release this gift in this room and online for those who uh, can put it in the chat if, if you need to you can do that uh, father um, thank you that you are a relational god who loves us who speaks to us and um, uh, and you have given us tools gifts ways we can experience your love if we would just step out in faith so i, I pray now come holy spirit even as we worship would you speak and minister to us